Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, Vision Church. I'm glad to hear this is a Pentecostal church. In fact, you know, a great report. Great. How many of you love great news? Reports of God's grace as we were preaching last Sunday on the tingle, the test, and the triumph. Right at the end of the service, Terry Humphreys came up to me, and she said, Pastor, during the service, I have frozen shoulder syndrome. I've been diagnosed, and I haven't been able to lift my hands up. And at the end of the service, I was able to put both hands up in the air. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know, it's amazing when you talk about grace, when you talk about the grace of God, how he shows up. He shows up. The Spirit of God comes and mediates that grace to us where it is actually encounterable, real, measurable, and we can walk away saying, something changed. To hear the rest of the story, how many of you remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. During the beginning of the service, she had asked Tasha to pray with her, and Tasha said, let's just believe God that during the service, God will touch you and will relieve that. Don't you just love how that all comes together? Different gifts operating in grace, becoming a small part of the big picture of what God wants to do. How many of you want to get in on that? Huh? Don't you want to be in on that great grace conspiracy? You've heard of great conspiracies, haven't you? How about a grace conspiracy where we see God's grace touching people's lives and they have that look on their face that's undeniable? This happened. Wow, it's beyond what I could expect, believe, or whatever. And he is able to do above and beyond all we can ask or think. How does he do this? By his grace. By his grace. Aren't you glad you serve a gracious God? Give him one more hand clap of praise. We talked about passion before, but I want to talk to you today about being people of purpose. Or how about this? People of the purpose. Everybody say the purpose. See, when you put that article in front, the the, the definite article, it's not ambiguous anymore. It now gives it definition and direction. Some of you are saying, great, go to church on Sunday, get an English lesson. Let's plunge into Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. We hear the Lord speaking through the prophet of Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah to his people, Israel. And if we listen over their shoulder and catch what they're hearing and let it pass on to us, We can hear this because his word is forever settled in heaven. And when God says something, it always accomplishes what he sends it to do. It doesn't fall dead and lifeless. His word always is acting. It's effective. It's moving. And when we hear his word, we what? We receive it. Say, yes, Lord, I want to receive that from you. Remember the former things, those of long ago. If we're not careful, we want to leave it all back there long ago. I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand 
and I will do all that I please. Whenever we hear words like this, sometimes we feel intimidated, a little fearful, and part of it's because we don't know the character of God. We don't fully understand his character. We're living in a world today that knows what it's like to have strong men. Have you seen those? We have the sword of war being brandished over our head one more time with the Ukraine and Russia boiling over and wondering how's that going to affect Europe? How's that going to affect NATO nations? How's that going to affect the United States? And what is that going to do when just when we had everything working this way, this great disruption? It wasn't enough to have two years of COVID, but now roll into this issue. And how many of you are saying, about enough? I've had about enough. And what's going on is actually the movement of strongmen, the movement of governments, the movement of influencers, the movement of the World Economic Forum, the world, the, the movement of a group that meets at Davos, Switzerland, a group of people who are billionaires and multi-billionaires who are deciding they want to shape the world that is to come. How many of you know they have some distinct competition? He is the great creator. He is the one that's enthroned alone upon a throne of glory in the heavens. And he says, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. If we hear a statement like that from a world ruler, we know that world rulers are broken and bent people. And very often what they please to do means torture and death to others. Not just inconvenience, but disruption and destruction. And we're watching that on our television screens, on our iPhone screens. It's coming to us through social media. We're surrounded with those images. I'm not asking us to become ostriches and put our head in the sand. I'm asking us to look up. Because there is someone above all this. There is someone who is going to have his purpose stand And he will do all that he pleases. And what God pleases, his good pleasure, always, 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 always translates to our best. To our contentedness. To our peace. To our success. To our moving forward into what he has made and created for us. He doesn't do this selfishly. He does this selflessly. The people of the purpose. The great question in life, one of the central questions in life, is why am I here? You ever ask that? I'm 50-something, almost 60. Guess what question I'm still asking? Why am I here? There's some more detail here. There's something I feel like maybe I missed, passed over, glossed over, was too busy for. There's more to be discovered and unlocked about the purposes of God. Why am I here? I'm no different than anyone in this room or anyone on this globe. All of us are bound together in a common group. It's people who sit here with questions over our head and says, Why am I here? What is my purpose? I looked back into history and I found people who are considered luminaries, people who are significant in history, who had something to say about purpose the purpose of life is to live it to taste experience to the utmost to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience a wife of a president eleanor roosevelt said that 
Now, I'm not saying this because I'm a devout follower of Eleanor Roosevelt. I'm just showing you that historically, people have addressed this issue. Why? Because people are looking to have somebody answer this question. Not long ago, just a little internet search, and I found a book entitled 10 Steps to Discovering Your Life's Purpose. Another book many of us are familiar with is Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life, a multiple million selling, a best-selling copy. In fact, he, he became so wealthy off the royalties of those books, he refunded back to his church all the money that he had been paid as a pastor as a salary. He simply gifted that back to the church because that book took off, covered the globe, was translated into multiple languages, and became made him a sought-after conference speaker as he simply addressed the question everybody's asking. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the purpose of the church? What does God have for me? Now I have a promise to make to you. Should I write a book and make multiple millions or billions of dollars? I will bless Vision Church. And you won't even have to name anything after me. It won't be the Doug Martin Sanctuary, the Doug Martin Fellowship Hall, the Doug Martin Parking port the Doug Martin port, porking, Parking Structure. No, 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 no. Not porking, parking. No, don't put my name on any of it. Build it all to the glory of God. So I'm just putting myself out on the limb there and say if one of the purposes of God was for me to write a multi-million copy bestseller, even about discovering purpose in life, I'm, I'm ready to bless. Amen? How many of you are ready to receive? Just checking. I just wanted to make sure. If you're not, I'll look for some other group of people. How about this one? It's not bad enough that parent, people are wondering this, but evidently Fido is wondering about this. Your dog is laying around when you think he's just watching you eat. He's really, his thoughts are elsewhere. Why am I here? Why did they bring me home from the pound? Why did I come from that litter of puppies? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Purpose implies creation, intention, planning, preparation, competence, confidence, evaluation, and don't we love to be evaluated, and satisfaction. All of those kind of words make sense to us when we're wondering what our purpose is. We tend to Look at our life, evaluate our life, compare ourselves to others, compare ourselves to Scripture, compare ourselves to other people, wherever we're at in our life, and we can find a great dissatisfaction, even a depression, when we sit and we say, here I am, and I have nothing to show for it. How about this? Here I am, and I only have something in heaven to show for it. That changes it, doesn't it? We're beginning to tap into that idea of the purpose. Now, let me just help you to understand what our one of our purposes is. These are not necessarily in the order of weight or importance, but we have to start somewhere. What is our purpose? We can start in the book of Genesis, and we can understand this. We're an image bearer. In fact, let's personalize that. Say this with me out loud. I am an image bearer. This means that every individual in this room, every individual on the earth, one of their chief purposes in life is to bear the image of God the Creator who is invisible and to demonstrate that 
to the physical world, to be his image bearer. The book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him unless the ladies feel left out. Male and female, he created them. What does that mean? That means that both males and females of humanity reflect something about the image of God. Wow. What a mighty thing. What an amazing thing. Nothing else in creation is tasked with this. Only humanity. Only human beings have this distinct difference, this calling to image God, to reflect him, for people to be able to look at us, for individuals to look at us, for angels to look at us, for angels both fallen and unfallen to look at us, for unclean spirits, and that'll creep you out, right, to look at us, and when they look at us, realize they are made in the image of God. This what sets them apart from all of the other creation, organic and inorganic. They are representing God to the creation. We are unique among creation. We are a representation of God. Think about that. What does he say to Adam? Take dominion over all of this that I have created. Notice God didn't command an angel to do that. And they would certainly seem more powerful and more capable. But what did he do? He took these beings he made out of dust, one out of dust, one out of a rib that had come from that dust, and he made this first couple. And to this first couple, he declares that they are the image of God. And all of creation can look at humanity and see something about God there. Now, is that enough to grant us a place eternally in heaven? No. Is that enough to put us in a position where we please a God who has purpose for us? No, but it's a great start. It's a start that nothing else has. We are unique. So we are the image bearer of God. Think about that. That will help you to deal with people who are not born again. That is something that will help you to deal with people who are away from God and rebellious. Because they still carry with them the fact there's a stamp upon them. There's a mark upon them. Even if they're not born again. Even if they don't know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They are marked indelibly in creation. All of creation can look and say, there is the image of God. Wow. That's a great beginning, isn't it? Not only that, but trophies of mercy. How many of you like trophies? Some of you say, no, I have to dust them. I have to clean them. Can we have a virtual trophy case, please? Something about trophies. Some people have them stuffed and hung on their wall. Sometimes they're acrylic or metal or plastic covered to look like they're metal. Pieces of stone and other things, and they are trophies that talk about the first 300 game they bowled, or their first hole in one, or a tournament that they played in high school, or an area wide scholastic accomplishment, or first chair in band, or whatever it is, it's something to say, here is your achievement. But what does God's trophy case have? He has you and I, and we're not trapped behind the glass walls of a hemetrically sealed trophy case. We're out here. 
breathing oxygen, walking around in everyday life. We're roping cattle. We're driving down the highway. We're tending to the people who are sick and wounded. We're ministering from pulpits. We're standing with a Bible in our hand. We're sitting beside somebody and caring for them. Wherever it is that we find ourselves leading worship, singing along, playing, running technology, we find ourselves no matter where we are. If we know Christ is our Savior, what are we? Not only are we the imagers of God, but we are trophies of his mercy. Trophies of mercy. And some of us have some scars to show for it. Some of us have, I'm a member of a, it was a description of somebody who was looking for their dog that they had lost. Lost dog. One eye blind. Missing one leg. Ears have been cut and wounded. Hair missing in spots. Answers to the name Lucky. Some of us could have that inscribed upon our mercy. Not answers to the name of lucky, but answers to the name of blessed and highly favored. Name, answers to the name, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was bedraggled and, and beridden by the enemy, but here I am. I'm still standing, not by my own strength, but because of the great mercy of the God of heaven. Hallelujah. A trophy of mercy. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 9. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? You have a target on your back, and very often we hear about the target the enemy has painted on our back. He's out to get us, but there's an even bigger target and a better person behind it. God. He has painted a target upon you, and he has said, This is an object of my mercy. He has painted a target upon the whole globe. And he has said, this is a target of my mercy. They are sworn enemies of mine. They have taken the position of being the enemy, not me. They have pushed me aside and pushed me away and ignored me and neglected me. But I will give my son as an example of my great love, my loving kindnesses, and my mercy. The objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us whom he even called. Wow. Aren't you glad he didn't make us trophies of mercy? But he also called our name. He whispered to our hearts. He personalized it. Everyone in this room that's born again knows what it's like to be drawn and wooed by the voice of the Spirit. Very personal out of a sermon, a message, a tract, something that they read, a position in the Bible that they had read. Whatever it might have been that's your story, there's something unique about that. And you have been called. And you have been called higher. You've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. You've been called out of sin into a life of salvation. Awesome. Mercy, despite our disobedience and ignorance, we can come by faith, and as a result, the angels can see examples of God's mercy. What do they see? They see where we failed and Jesus succeeded. They see where we fell short but God's mercy came a-running. They can find us where we strayed and we bear the marks of our betrayal, and yet Jesus has come and with mercy has healed us, has restored us, and has placed us into his family. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? What mercy! 
such as we are, we're trophies of mercy. Not that. Not only that, but how about this? Glory reflector. Think of yourself as a mirror. And how does a mirror have to reflect? Simply have an angle between us and the light source. You ever been watching a plane fly through the sky and then a flash of light? When they turn a certain way, they catch the sun, and the sun glints off of those windows or that wing or that aluminum skin, whatever it might have done, and there's a flash of light as they take that certain altitude because no longer is it the plane, it's the glory of the sun. Just like that, we align ourselves here on the earth with God, and as we look to him and consider those that he loves, we put ourselves at such an angle that they can look at us and they lose sight of us, and they see Jesus. Isn't that powerful? We are glory reflectors. How many of you just feel glorious? Now here's the beauty of it. You can just be a piece of metal. You can be a broken mirror. And yet you have the capacity, if you're aligned with God, to reflect His glory. That people can look in that shard, that piece, that place that isn't caked with mud and dirt. And they can catch sight, not of you, but of the great glory of God. Here's what he said in Isaiah 43, verse 7. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, for what? For my glory. On the earth amongst men, if you're created for somebody's glory, you lose and they win. But I've got the win-win proposition for you this morning. If you follow God's creation and you align with God's intention, then you win and he wins and everybody else around you wins. Because they get to behold his glory. They get to see his plan unfolded in a way that they can get it and they can understand it and you get to bask in the glow of what it means to bring glory to God. Not for you to suffer and God to be advanced, but for both of you to be benefited. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. Therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to view yourselves as living sacrifices. Do you know how most people want to view themselves? As princes and princesses. As great people, they work constantly on their self-perception. The Apostle Paul understands this, and he knows there's only one remedy for this. If we're wanting to be reflectors of God's glory, we realize we're simply a piece of metal or, or glass. We're simply reflecting Him. We have less responsibility than we think we really have. It's more about alignment than the substance of who we are, and that changes over time by His rich mercy. He says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, the living dead, transformed by the renewing of your mind, and prove the will of God. Isn't that powerful? Transformation and change, where he begins to reflect actively through us his great glory. At this say, I'm not good enough. That's what I have to say. I'm not accomplished enough. I'm not polished enough. I'm not aligned enough, but I'm telling you, as you come into alignment with him, people get to see his glory, and they forget about you, and they become aware 
of him. Isn't that a great calling? The believer is unique. Because of the believer, the world sees the glory of God. It's in you that they see his glory. It's in me that they see his glory. And not just when we're parked in a church parking lot and parked on a church pew or comfortable seat under the preaching of the gospel. But it's when we're about our daily task, when we're about our things that we do, and everywhere we go with everyone that we have impact, we have this potential that people in the world can see the glory of God. Believers see it and they're encouraged. Unbelievers see it and they're drawn to the light. And they want to know what's making the difference in your life because I can't see any obvious difference between you and me. There's a substantial difference. What is it? We give God glory. We reflect God's glory. Powerful. Number four. How about this? A grace agent. You ever meet people who are travel agents? Insurance agents? FBI agents? Somebody, no, 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 I've never met the FBI agent. There's somebody who represents a cause or a group. A travel agent can hook you up with cruise, flight, car rental, a place to stay, whatever it is. That's what they do. They simply get between you and the product that it is you need, and they become an agent of that. What do we do? We get between people and God. God, who is the great creator and has all the resources anybody could ever wish for, want, or need. And we get to connect people to the great grace of God. It just doesn't get any better than that. That's better than being a travel agent. That's better than being an insurance agent. That's better than being a tax agent. Amen? We get to represent the purposes of God and the resources that he has made available for those purposes. Paul put it this way. We have different gifts according to the what? Grace given us. And God is able to make, I love this, all grace. Not some. Not just a little dip. Not just a sampler. Not just a little dab will do you. But God is able to make all grace abound. Don't you like that? Not just a little bit. Here, just take a little bit. Just just what you need. No. He always does above and beyond all that you can ask or think. He is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Give the Lord a hand clap. He's the great provider. So consider it this way. Yes, us, trophies of his mercy. We get to be vessels of his grace. We get to be agents representing God on the earth. And this is what this means. God's power is to move through our personality, even if it's quirky. Our character, even though he's not finished making us look like Jesus. Through our abilities, even though they need practice and repetition to be developed. Through our spiritual gifts, which we weren't born with, but because we're born again, they have been imparted to us by the person of the Holy Spirit and by our presence. Isn't that amazing? 
There's sometimes the greatest ministry you can have in somebody's life is to simply be present. To be open-hearted, to be with them, to be receptive, and to be affirming in their presence. And there's something that happens in their presence. I was confronted with this when I was in the hospital. I was wiped out physically. I was depending upon high-flow oxygen in order to breathe. My hair was a mess, and that really distract. Oh, that really distressed me. I was unshaven here. That really bothered me. And my teeth hadn't been brushed for a while. This was all very disturbing. A nurse came, sat in my room, shut the door, and said, Mr. Martin, can we talk? And I thought, well, she's not a doctor, so I'm not going to be afraid of what she has to say. <clears throat> and she said, I heard that you're a minister. I said, yes. And she said, well, there's something going on in my life I just want to talk to you about. So we sat there, and she asked me. She said she had prayed that God would put a man in her life, and what I thought now that there was two guys that were interested in her, what she should do. The Lord just spoke into my heart right then. I sat there, and I said, you know what? There's a third guy you're not talking about, and I want to talk about him. There's a man who loves you so much that he actually died for you when you didn't even know about him. I laid out that plan. She had heard that as a girl in church when she's little. Puerto Rican girl, grew up in Chicago. <clears throat> as we were talking, she kept looking over my shoulder, and I wanted to say, quit being so distracted, you know, and listen to me. But I just sat there, and we talked back and forth. She talked, I talked. When I was, when we were nearing the end of our conversation, she looked at me and she said, Mr. Martin, do you realize the whole time we were talking, your blood oxygen level went up to 94%. And she said, you were not gasping for breath. And she said, there's somebody else here in this room. And then she went, why? Because she got the tingles. And I'm sitting there going, I ain't got nothing to offer. I have halitosis, messed up hair, can barely breathe. And yet, in this position of weakness, God's presence has made all the difference. She's probably not even going to remember my messy hair or the halitosis. I hope she doesn't. But I hope that she remembers for the rest of her life. I can't even remember that guy's name. But he was like on his deathbed as far as I was concerned, and God was raising him up. And I had a powerful encounter with the presence of God in room 592 at Baylor, Scott, and White. I have no idea who that guy was. I can't even remember. But I'll never forget his presence. Whew. love that old song we have sung in the past, In the Presence of Jehovah. Not in the presence of Doug Martin. That and a... That and $4 will get you an expensive cup of coffee at Starbucks. No, it's not in my presence, but what happens when we're available for the grace of God to flow and He is spoken of and His grace is spoken of, there's something that happens and we become a conveyor of His presence. We become a grace agent. How many of you want to be a grace agent? 
Do you know some circumstances that need grace? Some people who need grace? You may be the only evidence of God's grace that they ever encounter. And so we go in there as broken and unfinished as we are, and we trust him, and we step into that spot and say, I'm not here to represent me. I'm here to represent the King of glory. I'm here to represent the one who has everything that I need and everything they need, the King of grace. And then number five, I really like this. This will get your fight on. Darkness destroyer. Didn't he say he'd make us more than champions? Darkness destroyer. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy the devil's work. Now, that word destroy doesn't mean go over and flick it with your finger and cause it to shake a little bit. It means to take it down to nothing, grind it into powder, and make it be dissolved and go away completely. I like that, don't you? The enemy's work it needs to be destroyed. And he goes on to say later with this ragtag group of unfinished disciples, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys and here's what you'll be able to do. You'll be able to bind and loose. So that whatever is forbidden on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever is allowed on earth will be allowed in heaven. And if Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, guess what we're called to do? Confront and destroy the works of the evil one. And how can we do that? Maybe I'll have to print up a t-shirt that says this. But there's just no shortcut to how you can say this. Pababada. Push back against darkness always, right? Pabada. Try that ten times fast. If we could just make that our motto, if we could put that on an index card and stick it on our mirror so that every morning in our car somewhere, I would be a reminder, maybe an air freshener, a Pabada air freshener that hangs in from your mirror that says, push back against darkness always. When the enemy comes, we push back. When he whispers a lie, we push back. We have to have an answer. We have to have a pushback. Jesus always did, and he said things like, go out of him and never come back again. And he took power and authority and then conveyed that to us where we can push back against darkness always. So I want to bring this in for a landing for us. We're sitting here saying, that's, that's high and mighty stuff, Pastor. That's... That's way out there. That's, that's maybe after 20 years of mature Christian living. No, no. We're all called to this right from the jump. We're called to this right from the jump. It's not enough to fulfill a purpose. And the world has a lot of purpose it wants to offer to you. Friends and family have a lot of purposes they would like to offer to you. The U.S. Armed Services has a lot of purpose it would like to offer to you. They're looking for the few, the proud. The Marines, right? It's not enough to fulfill a purpose. It is only enough to fulfill his purpose. In fact, he calls it the purpose. And here's the big question for us today. Am I aligned with the purpose? 
Am I connected with the purpose? Do I live and breathe and move and have my being so that I might conform to the purpose of God for life, for the world, for me, for the church? Because I can be a grace agent. I can be a reflection of his glory. I can image the image of God. I can be a darkness destroyer. I can't do it in myself, but I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. Am I aligned with the purpose? And what does it take to get aligned with the purpose? First step, could be born again. I accept you, Jesus, as the one who died in my place, covered my sin, and now you offer to me the gift of eternal life. I accept that I receive it in Jesus' name. And then we continue walking by faith, receiving by faith, and we begin reflecting and transforming and changing all by his mercy and his grace. And we find ourselves right in the middle of the purpose of God. This is a great opportunity to answer that question and get it right. We can say no, but Holy Spirit, help me. You can get me on trail. You can get me on track. I've been sidelined, but I can get back on track. You're offering mercy today. You're offering grace today. And you can cause your grace to abound to me and pull me into that place for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Honey, as you come and worship team comes, we're going to enter into his presence and worship him and connect with that purpose. Amen. That's the answer for our struggle and our stand. We stand in his name. We become the imager of God that we need to be. Stand in his name, we become the reflector of his glory. Stand in his name, we become an agent of his grace. Stand in his name, and his presence is conveyed through every element of our life. In the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad you know that name above every name? And the rest of our life, we're entering into all that he has for us. And I'll guarantee you one thing, it's God's purpose. And it's glorious, and it's the only win-win-win situation that exists. So, Lord, I pray your grace and your peace upon each one of us in this place. And as we go, Lord, I pray that there will be a sense of your purpose, that we would go after the purpose. We would abandon a purpose for the purpose. We would be challenged to move away from good intentions and good enough into I want to please the King of glory. I have some grace to give. I have some standing to do. I have some reflecting of His glory that He's called me to this great and high calling. Lord, let us go with an assurance, with with a sense of confidence, not in ourselves, but in You. And a sense of conveying Your grace as we go with Your purpose the purpose of the Lord. You have purposed it, and you will accomplish it. We want to align with it, and we ask for your help to that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Grace and peace be upon you. Lord bless you as you go. We'll see the guys and girls for Bible study at 4 o'clock. Other than that, Lord bless you. Step into the purpose. Go with his grace and peace.